Hey, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible with you, I need you to hold two spots, one in John 17 and the other in Acts chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. The verses are gonna come up on the screen. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in part six of a series called The City. And what we've been learning in parts one through five is that cities that we live in, whether it's a metro urban city, a medium-sized city, or even a small city, the cities that we live in are hubs and hotbeds. What do I mean? They're hubs for a lot of things, functionally. There's logistics, there's banking, there's industry, there is architecture, there's power, uh, there's people, there's cultural diversity. Cities are hubs, all right, because people populate them. But they're also hotbeds for the same reason. In a city, because there's things going on in them, people are restless. That's why we talk about New York City. It's the city that never sleeps, right? So there's activities, there's people, there's cultural diversity, there's stuff happening. And in that context of cities and communities that we live in being spiritual hotbeds, the deeper dive on that is that there's a big spiritual battle for control of your city. There's God's agenda and God's kingdom, and then there's Satan and the world's agenda. One is God-filled, one is God-less, one is marked by the Holy Spirit, the other is marked by cultural values that are godless, the flesh, and the orchestrator of all that who is the devil. Now. Because that's reality, and reality's our friend, uh, in the Bible, God's solution for cities in winning that battle between the word and the world, God and Satan, kingdom agenda versus the world's agenda, listen to this, is a collection of spirit-empowered men. That's what we see in the Bible, and that's what we have been learning. And what we need to know as God's men who live in cities and communities is that everyone that we see, everyone that we interact with, whether it's at the grocery store or the coffee shop or the restaurant or in the cubicle next to you, everyone that we're connected to is caught up in that epic spiritual battle, whether they know it or not. And, and when I say God's solution is a collection of men in a city. We see that in Acts chapter two in the Bible where not every man is suited to fight the battle we're talking about in a city. In fact, God's men aren't ordinary men. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that spirit of God has come inside them, is taken over control of their minds, their bodies, their energies, and they're behaving, listen, differently and dangerously in a good way, right? Not dangerously in a way that makes people suffer. And that's what we've been learning in parts one through five. What are they doing, you ask? They're releasing captives, people who are stuck and paralyzed, whether that's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, they're releasing captives. They're reducing loads, right? They're burden sharers and burden carriers. They're relieving pain. Okay, emotional, spiritual, psychological pain. We talked about that. And last time we talked about how they're raising spirits and it's sort of like the dominoes just start to fall. When you're getting people unstuck 
in life and as people, emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically, when you're reducing loads, relieving suffering, man, you raise spirits. Now here in Park 6, our last session, we're going to look at the last key indicator that we see in the Bible uh, in terms of the behavior of this collection of guys who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're spirit-empowered. And we're going to look at the last key indicator uh, of the, this movement of men in a city. And that has to do with reaching souls. All right, what, what does that mean? Right? Leading people to personally believe in the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus for them. All right? So spirit-empowered men in a the city, they're releasing captives. They're relieving pain. They're reducing loads. They're raising spirits. Part six, they are reaching souls, helping lead and persuade people through actions and words to belief in the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus on their behalf. Now, if you are a God's man, here's a attitude and here's a guiding thought that you always have to have. Behind all my connections, you might even wanna say it out loud, behind all my connections is the kingdom of God, right? A lot of times we just kinda wander into situations, whether that's a restaurant or we see a neighbor or somebody drives by, or we're walking the dog or wherever we are, behind our connections, random or intimate, is the kingdom of God. And to get your head kinda going in that direction, um, I wanna tell you a little story about my daughter's soccer coach when she was 10. So this is a guy who's on my radar because he's, he's coaching my daughter, right? And so I'm there, I'm a sports guy, I'm watching him do his thing, and I really like this guy. And I can tell by his name that either he's a practicing Muslim or he's culturally Muslim. His name is Ali, right? And, and so I don't know him very well, but over the course of time and helping out a little bit at practice, you know, picking up cones or whatever, um, we get to know each other a little bit. And um, then I find out this great coach, Ali, he's leaving our club, our soccer team. And uh, he, he messages me through the computer, says, hey, I just wanna let you know that I'm gonna be leaving the club. And that's when, um, in my context, with him on my radar, God just says, hey, this is a private conversation, even though it's over instant message. Um, you need to share your story. <laughs> and let's just press the pause button on the film in that. I'm having this internal conversation. I'm hearing this thought come into my mind, which is, you need to give him your testimony. You need to share your story of how you came to faith and belief in Jesus. And then I start to battle and I start to pre-qualify and I start to say, well, he's Muslim, you know? And my faith just kind of keeps rolling with this voice in my head, which is the Holy Spirit just kind of prompting me. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you're a believing person, but I believe that God brought you to our team for a reason. Send. And now, I'm, now I've jumped off the cliff. I've crossed the line. I'm discussing spiritual things. I'm a Christian. He's a Muslim. And all I can see are the little bubbles, you know, like on your text messages, you see the little bubbles, except for this had bubbles and Ali is typing. And you know what the response, bling, comes up, or back then I think it was bloop. 
It says, it says, I have been searching for a conversation with God. And then it just went from there. I just shared with him my, my simple uh, story of meeting Jesus, how I met Jesus, um, how I prayed a simple prayer to begin a relationship with God through Jesus, to have my sins forgiven, to find my purpose for living, to have a home in heaven. And then I just, at the conclusion of that, I said, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? He says, no, I haven't. I said, would you like to? And he says, yes, I would. Now, big wheels turn on the small axles of choices to lean in to reaching someone's soul. No one could have predicted that behind this one man's life, thousands of people would come to know the Lord. But that's been Ollie's journey for these last 19 years, right? He's, uh, he reaches athletes, he reaches college athletes, he travels, he does soccer camps all over the world. He's just an incredible person. But here's what I want you to hear. Behind my connections is the kingdom, right? God's everywhere and God's at work and God loves people. God's everywhere, God's at work, God loves people. You have no idea the drama happening behind the faces of the people God has in your life until you ask or until you take a step of faith. And Ali was in my context. Who's in your context? Ali's on my radar. Who's on your radar? God was already at work, which I didn't know, and I wouldn't have known unless I had kind of jumped in the water. God's already at work in the people around you. Now, I could have pre-qualified him, and I kind of started going down that road. Who are you pre-qualifying? in terms of reaching their soul, being used by God to persuade someone to believe in the person and work uh, of Jesus. You know, that has happened to me so many times that now the least likely person, I think, is the most likely person. And sometimes the most likely person is the least likely, in reality, to place their faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus for them. Now, here's where we're headed in part six of the city. We just wanna see, again, like we've done in, in, in parts two through six, just what God models on this particular issue, whether it's releasing captives, reducing loads, relieving pain, raising spirits. Now we're gonna look at what God models when it comes to reaching souls, okay? And then we're gonna see how God is really ahead of us when it comes to reaching on soul. In fact, he does the lion's share of the work. 99% of the work is on God. He's ahead of us, we're gonna see that. And then we wanna identify how the Holy Spirit is at work in you and through you to reach a person for Christ, listen, in an authentic and a powerful and super natural way, okay? So let's, let's get those Bibles out. Let's turn to John 17. If you don't have your Bible, no sweat. We're gonna put the verse on the screen. And, and by way of context, when it comes to reaching souls and being used by God 
to help a person begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We just have to look at what Jesus himself models. And we see this in John chapter 17, verses three through eight, it says this, it's Jesus talking. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. There is the model, there is the template, all right? What did we see? Number one, we saw that Jesus prays for men to know him so they can know eternal life. The two are synonymous. When you know Jesus, you know eternal life. And what's on his mind? What's number one? I mean, the guy is in the final, he's in the red zone of his entire life uh, on earth. It's like the two minute drill, what's on his mind? He's praying for people that they will know eternal life by knowing him. That's his number one desire, thought, and prayer that people will have eternal life. Okay, now let's hold up the mirror. What is your number one thought, desire, and prayer for the connections that you have with people who don't know Jesus personally? Let's look at the second thing. Jesus recognizes his time, space, and unique assignment from God. He says, um, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you have given me to do. So he realizes that, that there's a time, that time's going away, okay, so he recognizes time, right? He emphasizes his work that he's got to accomplish within that time on a certain part of the planet. He says, I glorified you on earth, which I'm here temporarily, having accomplished the work you have given me to do in this time and this space, right? And that you've uniquely assigned to me. God gave him a specific assignment for a limited time on a certain space. That's Jesus. All right, so he recognizes his time, space, and unique assignment. Question, do you recognize that? I mean, if it's good enough for Jesus, this is the way Jesus is talking. This is what he's thinking about. We have limited time. We're put in a specific space with a specific assignment to accomplish by faith. Third thing we see is that Jesus brings God into his interactions with others. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Okay, so Jesus is in a time, he's in a space, he has a unique assignment. Well, what do I do in my time, in my space, in my unique assignment, all right? I bring God 
into my interactions because that's God's intention. That's why God has us here on earth, to bring God through word and deed. It's not always word, it's not always deed. Sometimes people need to see deeds before they'll listen to your words, right? But I'm bringing God in, right? I'm bringing God's purposes. I'm bringing God's agenda, right? I'm bringing God's love. I'm loving him with my life. I'm living it out in front of others. I'm loving people the best way I know how, right? But there is a manifestation, there's an incarnation of God when Jesus is among men, okay? Well, question, do you bring God into your interactions with the people that God has given to you? You see, we talk about what's most important to us. We bring what's most important to us or what's happening to us that's most important to us at any given time into our interactions. And it comes in answer to the question like, hey, how's things going, you know? Let me, let me challenge you. I wanna challenge every man, nation, worldwide. The next time someone asks you, hey, how's it going, how you doing? Say this, man. God is good, and then tell him why you think that. God's good, and then tell him why, all right? That's an easy, simple way for you to talk about what's most important to you, what's on your mind, who you're in relationship with, right? Fourth, we see that Jesus seeks for people to do two things, understand and believe in him, right? He says this, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, okay, so, and then he says, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that, that you sent me. You know that that's Jesus' desire, not just for the men that God gave him, or the people that God gave him, that's God's desire for everyone. Everyone? Yes, everybody, everybody to receive the knowledge that Jesus came from God for them, died for their sins, to understand that at a deep heart level, not at an intellectual level, at a deep heart level, for me, yes, for you. And to believe that he came from God to die for you and to receive that for yourself. Now, here is the simple application. This is Jesus. He's praying for men to know him so they can know eternal life. He's recognizing his time, space, and assignment from God. He's bringing God into his interactions with others. He seeks for people to understand and believe in him. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you, okay? This is increasingly you. No one's gonna do it as good as Jesus. <laughs> but if this is Jesus and Jesus is in you, it makes sense that if you're an authentic man of God, this is increasingly you. And that's what sets us apart, man of God. That's what sets us apart, men's group that is filled with spirit-empowered men. That's what sets us apart in our families, in our workplaces, in our cities. This is Jesus, Jesus is in us. This is increasingly us. Now, God, is intentional. Look at what it says in John 3:17, just as a support to what we just learned. It says this, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, 
but to do what? But to save the world through him. Now, if you read the Gospels or you're a reader of the Bible at all, these words will ring true, all right? And they're, they're Jesus' words that sort of mirror what we just read in John 3, 17. You remember when Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, I myself am sending you, right? So God's intentional. God sent his son to save the world, just as the Father sent me, I myself am sending you. To do what? To reach souls. To be used in this process of a personal salvation decision. Wow, what a privilege that we get to participate in that. God doesn't need us, but he thought that it would glorify him to use us to reach the souls of other people. And, and that's what you see here in scripture. So there's, there's God's model. There's the basis for reaching souls. It's what God models for us. So what do we learn about salvation? All right, write this down. Salvation is a matter of intentionally showing up. Key words, chosen very specifically. Just like God, God sent his son into the world with the intention of saving the world. Jesus says, I myself am sending you just as the Father has sent me. Same principle. What is he sending us to do to help reach that person's soul, right? Jesus lays hold of us, we lay hold of others. God sent his son into the world, Jesus sends us into the world to save. What a privilege. What an amazing privilege to ambassador salvation in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Man, that hits me hard. Now, if you're thinking or if you've ever said to yourself, oh yeah, I know where Kenny's going here. You know, I'm not an evangelist and you know, I like that worship fellowship and discipleship thing, but you know, that, that, that ministry and mission and evangelism thing, you know, that's just, that's just not my gift. Baloney, from the Greek word baloney, okay? Don't pre-qualify people, but don't pre-qualify yourself. Man, I can't tell you, having done men's ministry for you know, the last 35 years, watching people that thought that way and lived that way for a lot of their lives blossom into the best reachers of souls I have ever seen. And they didn't really change. They didn't really change their, their ways so much as their thinking about themselves and what reaching a soul is, is all about. And, and let me just say, you, let me give you some good encouragement if that's you, right? If you're just like, oh no, that's not me, that's not God's way ahead of you. Like, it's like in golf, they call it what? A gimme putt? Okay, that's when, you know, like the ball is here and like the cup is here and all you have to do is just like, it's a tap in, all right? God is way ahead of you. God does all the heavy lifting in the soul before he puts you into a space to potentially reach that soul and pick the low-hanging fruit for him, all right? So we're in the harvest. Everybody around us is experiencing spiritual battle. There's a battle for control of the minds, hearts, and souls of people. There's two agendas. We're in a space, we're in a city, we're in a community, and God's way ahead of us. Here's the good news. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so the picture is there's God and what he's up to, and we're limited and he's unlimited, and he's doing a bazillion other things that we can't even see because our tiny little brains can't even take it in, our, our eyes can't take it in, but behind the scenes, there is all this stuff going on, and one of the main things that's going on behind the scenes is that he has made a space for himself in everyone. Write that down. God has made a space for himself in everyone. So behind every connection you have is the kingdom. And then, good news, he's made a space for himself in everyone. It's what St. Augustine called that, that God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by God himself. Now, there's, there's rip-off versions that people try to fill that hole with, materialism, sensations and hedonism, self-importance, visibility, power, a feeling, drugs, sex, porn, but they just come up empty. They stay thirsty. They have to keep chasing that. Why? Because it's a God-shaped vacuum. It's eternity. The eternal space inside of every human being cannot be filled by a limited temporal source. Money, temporal, goes back in the box. Houses, vacations, goes back in the box. Cars, even if you have a beloved one, goes back in the box, right? All the things of earth that we get fulfillment and enjoyment out of, which we should, all right, but we just can't use those things to try to fill a hole in us that only God can fill. And I know right now the Holy Spirit is speaking. And there are men right now, you're trying to fill the hole that's meant for God to fill with other stuff. In fact, there's believers and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You have filled that hole before, you know what I'm talking about. There's that satisfaction, that peace, that fulfillment. But because something hurtful or traumatic has happened to you, you've used that as a license to go fill that hole that only God can fill with things that aren't good for you and your relationships are suffering. That's what the Lord is saying right now. And you know what, man of God, can I just encourage you, brother? Um, you'll always be thirsty. You're gonna feel bad. Um, you're gonna be destroyed if you keep going down that path. God's ahead of you. He's put that that hole in you where longings and fulfillments and desires, it can't be filled by a closed deal. It can't be fulfilled by a relationship outside of marriage. It can't be fulfilled by, by bourbon. It can't be fulfilled by, and don't accept the substitute anymore. God's saying, that's my space. That's for me. Okay, doesn't mean that we don't enjoy some of the things that I mentioned. That's not what I'm saying. It's when you make a good thing the ultimate thing. And there are men right now listening to the sound of my voice. You've made some good things that God has blessed you with the ultimate thing. And now you're beginning to experience the emptiness that comes from doing that. 
And God, God's saying, hey, I, I made a space for myself in you. I've made a space for myself in everyone, all right? So if you're a man of God um, and you're in that kind of place, it's real easy. Just repent. What does that mean? It means change the way you're thinking. Like, yeah, that's right. Those things can't fill me up, but God can. And then just go back to the dinner table, bro. Just go back to the dinner table, go back to fellowship, go back to the word of God, get your butt back to church, okay? Start talking to God again, get in his word, get silent, get away, do what you gotta do, all right? Now, thank you that I could make that digression because, hey, listen, that's where we all are, right? This community of men in the global live stream, some of us are having really great days and we're walking with the Lord and God is ahead of us and we're proactive. Other days, man, we've been bowling balled and we need just that encouragement to lift us up. Um, so now going forward, everybody, just know that everybody around you, God's ahead of you. There's a space inside of everyone for God himself, all right? We're gonna look at the next thing uh, that God is ahead of us, how God's ahead of us from Colossians chapter four. It says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right? What's the second way? that God is ahead of us. Write this down. God brings opportunities to you and supplies words, right? God brings opportunities to you and he supplies words, okay? Paul here is just saying, man, I gotta, I gotta get myself ready for the opportunities that God's already bringing, right? God doesn't make a mistake. And so Paul, here he is, he's reaching souls and then he gets in trouble for it. Then, then, he goes, okay, that's gonna create another opportunity. I gotta get ready for it. So I'm gonna encourage people to do what I'm doing right now. I'm devoting myself to prayer and I'm, I'm watchful. That means I'm alert to the next opportunity. I'm thankful that I get to participate and um, you should be doing that. I should be doing that. And he knows that uh, because he's in trouble, he's gonna be put with a new set of people. He's in chains, okay? He's locked up for preaching the gospel. And um, he knows that he's gonna get some new opportunities. And he just wants to be, he just wants to be plain. He just wants to, to be clear, right? And so he's kind of reminding himself, hey, I don't have to get fancy. I don't have to make stuff up. I don't have to be a Bible scholar. I don't have, even though he was. But he just wants to be clear. And then he, and then most of all, um, and this is his part, he wants to be gracious. So even with his, even with his um, imprisoners, right? He's there against his will, but he knows that God's put him there. He wouldn't be there unless God put him there. And so he's not gonna take it out, take his pound of flesh out on the guard who didn't have anything with, to, with, to do with the decision that put him in jail, okay? And so, but you know what is on Paul? It's just his attitude. He says, let our conversation be always, okay? Circle the word always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all conversation, you know, and 
people have, you just got to be able to be good at asking questions and staying for the answer. And then pro tip on reaching souls, ask the second question and then listen and then ask another clarifying question. When people feel listened to, they feel like they're being understood and that someone actually cares. Listening is a demonstration of caring. Active listening uh, is reflected in active and meaningful question asking. Tell me more. Gosh, that's so interesting. Tell me a little bit more about that. Wow, that's so interesting. Tell me a little bit more about that. And pretty soon, they're like, man, this person really cares. They want to know more. They want to know me. Okay, so that's the good news. God has made a space for himself and everyone, and then God brings opportunities to you. Like, this is happening to Paul. Paul's not asking for that to happen. It's happening, and it's just where he is, right? And there, where God has brought him, uh, he opportunities are, are coming to him, but it's his attitude, it's his awareness of that happening, right, that makes it a gimme putt. It's just like, oh, well, I'm in chains. I guess I'm going, there'll be people guarding me. So, okay, get me ready, Lord. I'm praying for that person right now. Where are you headed right now? Some of you are like on a run and you got a meeting after you take a shower and get a bite to eat and then you're gonna go to a meeting. Where are you headed? What's your next destination? Okay, ask yourself that question. Where are you gonna be? Who's gonna be there? And just start praying right now. Lord, I don't know who's gonna be there. But, you know, I'm going to be next to people, and if, if you want to open a door for me, I'm available, all right, to just share my story or just how you're good, all right? So there's some good news. So if, you're, if, you're, if you disqualify yourself from actually reaching a soul, stop that. God's way ahead of you, um, and he can bring opportunities um, to you. In fact, um, I just finished this book. It's called Overflow. I went to do a TV program in Dallas, Texas, and I was just talking to the hosts of the show um, just about how, you know, God's behind these connections and we can lean into that reality, um, that God's at work. Uh, and I, I, I just said, hey, I'm going home today. Um, you know, I don't know who's gonna be in seat 21B. And I didn't know my seat assignment before I went to the airport, but I get to the airport, right, and I'm in 21A. And now I'm like, oh, this should be really interesting. <laughs> so this pharmaceutical rep comes and sits in 21B. And before the plane takes off, I'm just having a conversation, just being me. We're not even talking yet, 21A and B. And I'm just talking with a friend of mine in New York City, Jamal Bernard. And it's like, yeah, Jamal, let's get together. And I'd love to help you and um, visit with your church staff and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, there's this head. It's like right here. She's like, I know. I was just overhearing. Are, are you like a pastor or a minister? And I'm thinking, here we go. 21B. All right. The opportunity came to me. And, you know, it was a great conversation. She, she said, I have to reignite my relationship with God. Uh, we exchanged some information, told me a little bit about her family, got a person in touch with her. But you see, God, when you're aware and you're anticipating God will bring the opportunities to you. Okay, let's move on, all right? Because here's, here's the meat of what we're talking about. In your city, right, big or small, in your community, on your block, okay? Souls need reaching through God's spirit in you. In your city, your community, souls need reaching 
Why? Because there is, there is a battle for their soul, their eternal location. And God's saying, hey, I know the outcome, but you don't. Your job is to do your thing. You do what only you can do. I'll do what only I can do. All right. So let's let's dive let's let's dive deep into how God's Spirit works in you and kind of what the dynamics and patterns are. First pattern: the Holy Spirit will give you a heart for those without God. And here's how I know: Jesus is talking. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, hey, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. So, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Souls need reaching. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you. The Spirit of Christ is in you. This is you. All right? That's how cities and lost souls get reached. The heart of Jesus is in you. The heart of Jesus sees people either they're in or they're out. They're connected to me or they're not. They're connected to God or they're not. And he will, he will set aside people not in need of rescue to go after the one who is in need of rescue. And I like the, the terminology here, rescue. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life. So just think about that boat in the middle of the North Sea that's sinking and the, the Coast Guard is coming over and they're lowering that rescue. Christianity is a faith of rescue. We need rescuing. Some people don't know they need rescuing. Some people really do. People who don't know or think they don't need rescuing, that's gonna be the hard person to rescue. But the person who knows they need rescuing, and the only way to figure that out is to lean in, get to know them, find out what's going on. Man, they are, they welcome it. But that's the indicator. That's the first mark of a spirit-empowered man. The Holy Spirit is inside of him and gives him a heart for those without God, all right? Let's look at the second indicator. Write this down. The Holy Spirit partners with me when I talk about Jesus. Okay, it says this in John 15, again, Jesus equipping his guys. When the friend, that's the Holy Spirit, I plan to send you from the Father, comes, right, came in the book of Acts, the Spirit of truth issuing forth from the Father. He will confirm everything about me, you too, from your side. You must give confirming evidence since you are in this with me from the start. So Jesus is talking to a men's group who've been following him. And he says, hey, listen, I'm gonna do what only I can do, right? I'm gonna supply amazing spiritual technology, my good friend, the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna be in you, and he's gonna do the majority of the work. But then you need to do what only you can do, right? 
And that's why I love the language. You two, from your side, you got to give your testimony, your confirming evidence, right? That's what someone who testifies does. They give confirming evidence of the reality of God in their lives, okay? So the Holy Spirit's going to give you a heart for the lost in your city. You're going to see people differently. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you see people through God's glasses, and you filter your connections with them eternally and supernaturally. Now you're starting to partner with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I see that lost person. You know, Holy Spirit's at work. You know God's ahead of you. Now you're gonna start partnering with the Holy Spirit when you talk about Jesus. Just know that, that the Holy Spirit is gonna take what you say and, and use it and partner with you. Third, the Holy Spirit creates an urgency with respect to eternity, okay? Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11 and unpack it. It says this, for we must all, that's all humanity, all 7.888 billion presently alive, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Underline this, we work hard to persuade others. So what I just read to you from the Word of God is reality. The reality that every person that you know one day will stand before God and they will be judged. What's the criteria for that? Either they're in Christ and they have received his person and work for them or not. That's reality. Doesn't matter what you think, what your opinion is. That's what the Word of God says. That's what's going to happen. So let me ask you a question. Are you working with that reality right now? Like, is that top of mind with you? Do you, when you see a person, do you ever ask yourself, gosh, I wonder if that's, that person knows the Lord? I wonder if they know the Lord. Just as a mentality doesn't mean you're going to talk to everybody that you meet and, you know, through the drive-in line, drive-through line at Chick-fil-A or whatever. I'm just saying that is there an urgency for the eternal well-being of people? You know, and I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing and I was just kind of flashing forward and just going, gosh, who do I know who in that moment would look at me and go, wait, you knew this the whole time and you didn't say anything? I'm getting ambushed here at the judgment. God put you in my life and you didn't care enough about me to just kind of mention what you knew was coming, right? Don't we appreciate people who tell us what's coming? Like, and then aren't we a little upset at people who they knew something was coming, but they didn't bother to tell us about it. And now we're experiencing the consequences of them not caring enough to tell us about it. Okay, so there is no... There's no guilt trip here, but I'll tell you what is here. Reality. Reality's in the house. The word of God's in the house. People's eternal futures are in the house. This will happen. Everybody that you know will stand before God. Every employee, every kid, every parent, every friend, every soccer coach of your kids. Are they in your context? Are they on your radar? Is there an urgency in you with respect to eternity? 
That's an indicator that the Holy Spirit is at work. And that's what cities need. It needs collections and communities of guys who have a heart for the lost, who partner with the Holy Spirit when they talk about Jesus, and they have an urgency that people need to know him. Fourth, the Holy Spirit changes hearts and minds his way. Whew, yeah. Isn't that great news? The Holy Spirit, man, he's, he's ahead of us. There's a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill inside of every person. You know, God brings the opportunities to us. And the Holy Spirit is the change agent. Man, I just, I'm, my part has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And God's has gotten bigger and bigger as we've gone through this session. Look at what it says in John 16, 8 to 11. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so when you read about Jesus talking to about the Holy Spirit when he comes, right? And that's what we see in Acts chapter two, he comes, right? Man, he's present. He's ahead of us. He's talking to people about their sin. He's making them think about their mortality. Um, he's thinking about how they're living, rightly or wrongly, good and evil. The Holy Spirit is not failing, listen to me, the Holy Spirit's not failing in anyone you know's life. He's at work, I always say that. Hey, the Holy Spirit's not failing in, uh, in your prodigal son's life, Bob. The Holy Spirit's not failing in your husband's life, Mary, even though he went and had an affair. The Holy Spirit is not failing in your college student's life. He's there, he's at work, keep praying, right? Join in with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. The Holy Spirit prompts people and convicts people of how they're imperfect so that they can be aware of their need. Um, right living. If they're living wrong, he prompts them and convicts them using their conscience and his voice to go, that's not right. Um, and then mortality. The Holy Spirit causes people to think about, okay, what, what if I died? What happens to me when I die? Right? Why? Because they have, a, they, have, they have eternity in their hearts. We just read about that. So the Holy Spirit can change hearts and minds the best way. And isn't that great news? Now, I'll do my part. Uh, I might persuade a little, but I know that the Holy Spirit changes hearts and minds his way, which is the best way. You have somebody who's kind of, you, you've been kind of trying to help come to know Jesus and using persuasion, using music. You, how about talk to the Holy Spirit? and ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that person's mind, okay? And I know that there's some people listening to the sound of my voice right now, you say, that person's impossible, no he's not. God wants you to hear this, no it's not. No he's not, don't pre-qualify them, I'm not failing in their life, I want you to ask me for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that man or woman's mind and ask me for it right now that they might be saved. Can you do that? Ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
in someone's mind because he changes hearts and minds in the best way. Okay, last indicator, and this is what people in your city need, and you're going to work with the Holy Spirit to do it. The Holy Spirit keeps the focus on Jesus's person and work. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 and unpack that. Uh, and this is a, this is a spirit-empowered man talking to other Christians. He says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want the truth of it. And so nothing I could say could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Love that. Here you got one of the greatest reachers of souls of all time, and now we pull back the veil, and the guy's petrified. So he's thinking it through. He's just like, okay, I'm not, what am I bringing? Okay, Paul had a law degree. Paul had the equivalent of his PhD in the Old Testament. I mean, this guy was educated. He was qualified. He was smart. And I love it that when he goes to reach a soul, he's like, all right, I'm not, I'm not using fancy words. I'm going to keep it plain and simple here. First is Jesus and who he is. That's his person. He's God. Then there's what Jesus did. He was crucified for you so that your sins could be forgiven and you could have a home in heaven. Plain and simple. But even with that plain and simple message, it was the, the concurrent feelings inside of coming out with it, right? And <laughs> he's like, God made it work anyway. I love it. So you know how many times I have so fumbled, like in my trying to reach someone's soul, just I'm there, the conversation opens up, I share my story and you know what? Um, the Holy Spirit is really good at pressing the mute button on your on your words with people when it's like not going to be meaningful for them. But He can infuse and empower the right words that fall into the minds and hearts of the people that you're talking to. It's awesome. It's like a filter. So, guys. The Holy Spirit wants us to have a heart for Jesus for the people in our city. The Holy Spirit partners with us when we talk about Jesus. Good news, right? The Holy Spirit creates an urgency in us with respect to eternity. We have limited time and we want everybody, like God does, not to perish. The Holy Spirit changes hearts and minds His way. That's good news. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the minds of people that God puts in your life, right? And then lastly, the Holy Spirit keeps the focus on Jesus, his person and work. You could, that, that's in this culture of noise, this culture of 
endless barrages of information flying at us, chasing us, trying to tackle us to do something or buy something, you gotta keep it simple, right? There's Jesus and who he is. He's from God and he is God. And there's what he did. He came, he's from God and he is God, and he came to die for you so that your sins could be forgiven and you could have a home in heaven. Keep it simple. You wanna receive that for yourself. Um, now, seeing all of this come into play with Jesus' men in a city is cool. And I love this little vignette of a couple of his guys. They're on their way from a prayer meeting to church, okay? And they get hauled in because they go into a space, right? And they pray for this guy to be healed. And then he gets healed. And they get in trouble for the guy getting healed. Like, because it didn't happen under the supervision of the religious rulers of the time. And they were put out because it was causing a stir. The whole city's finding out about these dangerously good guys who are filled with the Holy Spirit. So... There's a conversation between the guys who hauled Peter and John in and Peter and John. Check this out. Acts chapter 4. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Quote, rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way, no other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved, only this one. Now, we have to understand contextually who we are talking about. This is Peter. This is the guy who scattered like a cockroach when the light comes on, when Jesus was being crucified. He cowered at a little girl, identifying him as a follower of Jesus. He did it three times. What's the game changer? The Holy Spirit is now filling, controlling, leading and taking over his body in a city and what's coming out, salvation. Focus on Jesus. He's doing his part, the Holy Spirit's doing his part, right? His mindset is eternity, right? He knows the Holy Spirit's gonna take because he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's overflowing in the setting and what's coming, he's doing exactly what Jesus did. He's manifesting God's name. So you see how these indicators, they're all happening. They're happening through God's men in a city, but you gotta be spirit-filled, all right? You can be spirit-indwelled, but not spirit-empowered. You say, Kenny, what do you mean? At salvation, the Bible says in Galatians 4, 6, that God pours the spirit of his son into our hearts. It's like a stamp. Like, all right, he's got the Holy Spirit in him. You know, that's your, that's your admission ticket to heaven. It's a guarantee of your future. Now, that doesn't mean that you are empowered, controlled, and directed and led by the Holy Spirit. 
that's a conversation. That's like, I can be in relationship with my wife, Chrissy, but that doesn't mean we're partnering. We got to have a conversation. We got to work together. We got to see what the other, the other person is doing. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want you to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, all right? So that we can reach our cities. This is happening again, and you don't wanna miss being a part of this action. Trust me, all right? So let's, let's bow our heads and let's go to God. Holy Spirit, thank you for being God. Thank you for living inside me. Thank you that you've been deposited. Thank you that you inside of me can accomplish amazing things. Holy Spirit, I confess. I don't always live in partnership with you. How do I know that? Because my heart for the lost is, is not there. I'm not stepping into some opportunities that God brings me. My urgency for the souls of others is wanting. Sometimes I think it's all on me. And sometimes I think if I use big words, I'll impress people and that, that's what will convince them that Jesus is God and he died for them. Well, Holy Spirit, forgive me for that. Forgive my pride. And let me humbly now just ask you to take over control of my walk, my body, my mind, my lips. Help me to keep the focus on my wonderful Jesus, who he is and what he did. Holy Spirit, I confess that you are the changer of hearts and minds. I just need to intentionally show up. Help me to see people the way you see people, Jesus. Help me to leave the 99 who don't need rescuing for the one who truly does. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you multiply my words. You, you make the words work. Just help me to have the courage and confidence right now that you got this, which puts me at ease enough to just share my story and simply help someone say yes to Jesus, who is God and who died for them. So God, thank you for this amazing movement of men in cities, in communities, on city blocks, in neighborhoods, oh God. Thank you for the ember that your bellows are blowing on, turning into a fire that consumes and spreads. Lord, I pray for wildfires of your Holy Spirit across cities in America and across the world, Lord. That spirit-empowered men would step into the spaces and places that they, where they are right now, and they would be salt, they would be light, they would be a fragrance of Christ, ultimately reaching souls for you, which glorifies you and which you celebrate in heaven. And so we pray for now and declare those thousands of celebrations that are going to happen as men on the other end of my voice are filled, empowered, and controlled by the Holy Spirit and reach souls in the days and weeks to come until we see you face to face. And we ask for this in Christ's name.